And what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're going to be talking about the miracles of Jesus leading up to Easter, and then after Easter, we're going to be talking about the parables of Jesus. And we're going to spend this entire spring studying through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to to see and to hear exactly what it is that Jesus would want us to know, what He would want us to hear, uh, what He did, and why He did it, and the difference that it can make in our lives. We today started day eight of our 21-day fast here at Thomas Road. And and I pray and I hope that you have been uh, like leaning into it, have been faithful in it. I've talked to a number of people throughout this week who who have shared with me like the things that they're doing and uh, what that looks like. And I've got to be honest, if if you haven't started the fast, okay, so let's make it a 14-day fast and start today. Uh, I talked with someone this morning who came up. In fact, it was John Daggett who's up in the uh, the booth above, and he came back and he shook my hand. He said, hi, I'm John, and I've been a week without Pepsis. And, uh, and he was shaking when he told me that. So I know it impacted him, it affected him. And so I heard a lot of stories about what people have kind of set aside, uh, of kind of what they've walked away from. But, but more importantly, I've heard some great stories of what God is doing. And today I'm going to share with you a little bit of a glimpse of, of some of those things. But more importantly, what I want to encourage you today as we begin this series called Beyond Belief is to help you recognize and understand that the God who did what we're going to be studying through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John is not a different God than we worship today. That the God who did all of the things that we read about in Scripture is the same God that today we are praying for God to move and do big things in our lives and in our journeys. I know that there are many of you here today that need a a, a touch from the hand of God, that you need God to do what only God can do. And I think many of you have gotten to the place where you've recognized, because you've tried to do it on your own, and what you've recognized, what you've seen, what you have understood is this, is like, I can't do it, so God better. I can't do it, only God can. And so as we spend our time together in walking through this series for the next couple of months, I I encourage you just to don't lose sight of the fact that when we talk about what what Jesus did when he performed the miracles that we're going to study and look at and read and, and spend time talking about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, like he's not done with miraculous moves of the hand of God. Jesus is not done doing the miraculous. He's not done doing the thing that you've been praying for for 30 years. He's not done doing the thing that that, that has left you so hopeless. He is not done yet. And so understanding that, today, before we kind of move in next week into, in fact, we're going to have a booklet next week we're going to pass out of the Gospels, a study guide, and and, and there'll be places for you to take notes as we walk through. Uh, So make sure you come next week. We'll hand those out to you. But... Uh, Today, before we start talking about the miracles of Jesus, I thought it'd be kind of cool and and a good starting point, a launching point for us today, to talk about the miracle of Jesus. Now, I I hope you kind of saw the little bit of the play on words that that I just did there. The miracles of Jesus, awesome. We're going to study those. But let's talk about the miracle of Jesus. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 32. And we're going to kind of delve into a a moment in history when Jesus had just ascended into heaven. And this is 
taking place on the day of Pentecost. Now, in case you don't know what the day of Pentecost is, it is the day following when Jesus ascended into heaven. The disciples were together, and they were praying, and they were praying throughout that season, throughout that time. And, and then, uh, you know, days later after Christ had, had ascended into heaven, what Jesus had promised happened. And that was just the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would come. And that He would come, and that He would, would descend on the followers of Christ at that time. He would be the one that would, would be sticking by us and walking with us. And, and so this happened during this time. And in the first part, before, we, before Acts chapter 2, verse 22, what happened is, is the Spirit descended on the believers there in Jerusalem. And it says that they all began speaking in other tongues. Now, this was not them speaking in like unknown tongues. This was not like, you know, the charismatic version of tongues. This literally was the idea when, when Jerusalem was filled with people from all over the world, that the believers then had this incredible ability because of the Holy Spirit that came upon them. They were able to speak in the languages of all the people who had gathered in Jerusalem. In fact, if you read that passage in Acts chapter 2, it even says that they were able to speak Arabic. And these are Jews that are now being able to speak Arabic. They were able to speak other languages. They were able to speak Italian. Uh, they were able to do all of these things. The passage tells us that. And, and that didn't happen because they studied it. They didn't go on the, the Babel app and try to figure out how to learn these languages. In an instant, in a moment, God did the miraculous by sending the Holy Spirit and allowing them to experience the power and the presence of God in their lives, even though Jesus was now gone. And so that is the picture of what we're going to be talking about today of the, the story that, that takes place here. Now, obviously, when that happened, there were people there, the Jewish leaders, and they actually said, they just, these people, they're just all drunk. These are a bunch of drunk people. They've been out partying all night, drinking all day. And, and so what you're hearing is, is alcohol. This is like, they're impacted because they're drunk. And of course, then Peter, uh, in, in Peter fashion, he, he stands up and he begins to preach a sermon. And he preaches a sermon to refute the fact that it says that they were drunk, to tell why they were experiencing this, this presence and this power. And so we're going to walk through this passage, spend some time looking at just these, these verses here in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, of getting a picture of, of recognizing the miracle of Jesus, of like everything we're going to be studying this spring, of why that's important is not, those miracles were not performed for miracle's sake. Jesus did not walk into a, you know, to the pool of Bethesda and see a man who was, who, who was needing to be healed, and he didn't, he didn't do that just for the, the sake of doing it. He didn't raise Lazarus from the dead because it would be a cool little party trick. He didn't do that because he wanted to just like show off. He did that to show the power of God and to show His authority of who He was and why people need to listen to this man who came, who, who literally came as 100% God and became 100% man. And so, the miracles of Jesus all through the, book of, the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they were all there. The purpose, the, the, the idea behind them is they were a display of the power of God. So, let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. It says this, this Jesus of Nazareth, remember now, this is Peter preaching to the crowd who were, were criticizing the, the followers of Christ who had just received the Holy Spirit, the gift that Jesus promised to give them. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you. That word attested literally means displayed. 
So in other words, this, this man Jesus came and he was displayed to you. He was, he was revealed to you while he was here. He was attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him just as you yourselves know. Now, he, he threw that tagline, just as you yourselves know, because again, as we're going to study through the Gospels, there, there were multiple times that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were present when Jesus performed a miracle. They were there. And in fact, in some passages of Scripture, they actually were kind of concerned, and they're like, man, we really can't do anything because the people will like riot if we do because they've seen a miracle. There's no, they did not doubt the miracles that Jesus performed. Now, some said he performed these miracles because he was of the devil. Some said that he performed these miracles by some mystical fashion and mystical form, but, but yet they were there, they saw them. And so when, when Peter is speaking these words, he said, listen, God did these miracles among you through Jesus, and he did so, and you know he did it because you saw it with your own eyes. Now, he used three words there. He used the words miracles, wonders, and signs. Those three words. And those are three words that while today, and again, and let's be honest, Baptists do, you know, through our history, we get a little bit weird and worried about when we hear about miracles, signs, and wonders, right? You know, we get a little concerned because, wait a minute now, like, you know, that, that's, that's, that's not a Baptist kind of thing. It is a God kind of thing. And I would rather be a God kind of thing than a Baptist kind of thing. And, and so we recognize and understand that the God who did the miraculous and the God who, who, who did those things that we read about in the scriptures is still a God who's doing miraculous things today. I was talking with Aaron Gaston this morning. He is our, our director of ministries and serves alongside of Matt Wilmington, leading all of our, you know, nursery all the way through adults and uh, does a great, great job. And we were talking about this 21-day fast. And we were talking about the fact that back in 2020, uh, he was walking through that fast, and he, he did it 21 days, and, and, and like me at the time, he did it like no food. He didn't eat anything for 21 days. And he told me, and he told some of our deacons that were together this morning, we get together before services and pray each week. And he said, when I did that 21-day fast and, and didn't eat for 21 days, it saved my life. And that's a, you know, that's a phrase that a lot of people use, and sometimes it doesn't have like deep meaning. It has deep meaning for Aaron. Because as Aaron was sharing this with us this morning, his little son was standing next to him, and Aaron said this, it was during that 21-day fast that God revealed to me that I had cancer. You see, during that fast of 21 days, he started feeling a little bit weird, and he went to the doctor after, and they found the cancer. He would not have gone to the doctor had it not been for the fast. He would not have found the cancer and today he probably wouldn't be here. So for him to say, like, like that saved my life, that was, a, that was a miracle of God. That God used that season of time when he was praying for God to do something big. The thing that God did big in his life was saved his life and revealed the fact that he needed to get medical treatment. That he needed to deal with this thing called cancer. You see, God is still doing the miraculous. God is still moving in miracles and signs and wonders, albeit in a different way. Uh, anytime that you see, if you ever see me as your pastor, like, you know, walk up to someone and, and with my hand, you know, walk over to them and, and touch someone's head and say, you are healed and, and make them fall on the ground, shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> like like that, that is not like what I'm talking about, okay? What I'm talking about is that God does the miraculous today and he does it not through the hands of man, but rather through the hands of God. 
You see, back in those days, in, in Bible times, as we just read, God used these miracles to display the authority of Jesus Christ when He walked among us. That Jesus was able to do those things because they did not have the Word of God. The Bible talks about when that which is perfect has come, talking about the Word of God. The only thing that we have in the face of the earth today which is perfect is the Word of God and my grandkids. But that's beside the point. It's the only thing that's perfect that we have today is the Word of God. But back then, God used those miracles to display His power, to display His authority. And so while Jesus was 100% man, through the emptying of Himself to to come to this earth, to put on flesh, and to walk among us, He was also 100% God, and God used that to display the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of what He was about to do for the purpose of people recognizing and understanding, this man is different. Now today, God does the miraculous, God does incredible things, and He does it in ways that that are totally different than we go back to scriptures. He does it in a different way today. And I'm grateful that He does, because if He were still doing it through man today, uh, I'm afraid what would happen is that we would spend time worshiping man rather than worshiping God. And that is not what God desires. And so, the miracles that that, that Jesus displayed, the miracle of Jesus, was literally a display of His godly power. Uh, Tony Morita says it this way, these miracles weren't a violation of the laws of nature as much as they were restorations of the law of nature. At His first coming, Jesus showed everyone what His second coming and His kingdom would be like. There will be no leprosy, there will be no illness at all, no demon possession, no fear of storms, no death. And so King Jesus will reverse the curse and all things will be restored. You see, what Jesus came to do and and the miracles that He performed was literally saying, like, this is what God intended. From the beginning of creation, when God spoke the world into existence, what He wanted was a place that was perfect, a place where we would dwell with God in a perfect place where there was no sin and there was no sickness and there was no death. And that's what heaven is all about. And so Jesus came in order to reveal that plan and to fulfill that plan, to redeem that plan. And so when Jesus came, even though man determined to kill him, that was an impossible task because Jesus cannot be killed. Which brings us to the next verse, verse 23. We talk about this idea of the purpose of what Christ did and the miracle of Jesus. And the purpose of these miracles, it was to reveal His presence and His provision. Now, I know I've given you a big line there, it's on the screen, and what I would recommend is rather than write out that whole statement, the purpose was to reveal His presence and provision, just write down that statement, reveal His presence and provision. Just write write that down, just like make it easy. And I encourage you to like to write these things down, in fact, going back to the first one. Just write back, they were a display of God's power. This one, they were to reveal His presence and His provision. And here's why that's important, because every single day you you need to be reminded that God is with you, and that God will provide for you every single day. So look what it says in this next verse, 23. Though he, Jesus, was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and to kill him. Verse 24, God raised him up and ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. It is impossible to kill the one who cannot be killed. And so Jesus here, the picture of the statement is given here, the, the key statement is ending the pains of death. 
Now, that word death it can be taken a lot of way. Obviously, physical death, like when your heart stops beating, that's physical death, right? We know that. It's appointed unto man once to die. Everyone in this room, unless the rapture occurs, everyone in this room will die. Good news. God bless you. Have a great day. We're all going to die. Like, like that, that is a picture. Like all of us are going to go through that, right? But what Jesus did when he rose from the grave, he ended the pains of death. And not only the pain of physical death, what he revealed to us was the fact that spiritual death is not on the table anymore. Because spiritual death is the idea that we're going to be separated from God for all of eternity. And because of what Jesus did in his fulfillment of God's ultimate plan that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, that we would have the opportunity of spending eternity with him, that when Jesus rose from the grave, we don't need to fear death ever again. John chapter 11, Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will never die. Now, does that mean your heart will never stop beating? No. But what it does mean is that when your heart stops beating, it's when your life will truly begin because of the gift and the promise of heaven. And so we understand that because of what Christ has done, the miracle of Jesus is this, is the miracle of Jesus is that God fulfilled in him what was God's ultimate plan from the beginning of creation. That we would have the opportunity of spending eternity with him in a place that's perfect. Revelation chapter 21, one of my favorite passages of scripture talks about the place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death. And I love that. Because in my life, here's what I've had. I've had a lot of pain. I've had a lot of sorrow. I've had a lot of tears. And I've experienced a lot of death. Not me personally, <laughs> but those around me. And I hate it. Like, we hate to say goodbye to people we love. In the last couple of weeks, I've preached multiple, multiple funerals. I don't even know how many funerals I've preached. And some of them were people of our church that have been around here for, for generations. I've never known my life without them. People up into their 90s, people like, like Pete Doss, who's just always been here. Hallie Roop. Others that like have always been a big part of my life and, and part of my childhood all the way up to my adulthood. And like now they're gone. Like death stinks, right? Death stinks. But here's what I want you to know. What Jesus did, the miracle of Jesus, is that what is available to us and what is ahead for us is a place where there is no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, and no more death. That's the miracle of Jesus. And that's what he came to do. And so we recognize that his death and resurrection was the final reminder of God coming down to man to then allow man to go up to God. That was what Jesus did. That is what he fulfilled. That was his promise. That was the hope that we find in him. And that's what Peter wanted to make sure everybody knew. Like, hey, you tried to kill him and you put him up in people's hands and, and they nailed him to a cross and he died. But, but, but that would not stick because God raised him from the dead. And today Jesus is still alive and he is powerful and he is present. And so th this message that we see, the miracle of Jesus, the miracles that he performed, we're all to help us remember and understand, to reveal in our lives the presence and the provision of God every single day. An important thing to remember when you're walking through 21 days of fasting and prayer. An important thing to remember when you're seeking the face of God for the big things of life that you have tried and tried and tried with no success to find healing. I look around this room and while I certainly would not call out names, I look around this room and I see a lot of individuals in this room who are walking through seasons of, uh, of desperate times. 
I look around this room and I see, because I know as, a, as your pastor, I've had the opportunity of talking with him. I look around and I see marriages that are in trouble. We've talked about that. I see people who are dealing with health issues. I see people who are wondering how they're going to pay their bills tomorrow. I see people who are desperate in life. Let me remind you, the miracle of Jesus is to reveal His presence and His provision in your life. And that was not just for 2,000 years ago. It is for today. There is hope in the situation you're facing. There is hope in the circumstance you're walking through. There is hope because of Jesus. We continue reading this passage in verse 25. And we understand now that the miracles, the reason that Jesus performed them, what he did and the miracle of Jesus himself is so that we would fully understand that he is all that we need for our salvation. Peter goes on in this sermon, he says these words, for David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me because he's at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will, will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. Leave that passage up on the screen, guys, if you would, for a moment, because when you read through this passage, there's a couple of things here that are just powerful in, as we read it in verse 25, as he says, I saw the Lord ever before me, the presence of Christ. But then also that statement, and I will not be shaken. Let's be honest. How many of you have walked through seasons of life, and maybe it's a season that today you're walking through, where you are shaken, shaken because of fear, shaken because of pain, shaken because of uncertainty, shaken because of fear for the future. Like you're, you're shaken, like literally shaken to the core. Let's be honest, and you don't need to raise your hand, but I would venture to say that most people, if not all people in this room, have been in seasons just like that. I look at Charles over here, and I know going back to 2020 when COVID hit, like he was, he was shaken. Like there was a moment he was walking through, and he shared that story with us many times here at Thomas Road. Man, fear gripped him. And it was in that time, in that time of being shaken by what he was going through, that God revealed his presence, right, Charles? You've shared that story with us before. I look around this room and I know there are people in this room that, man, you've been shaken in fear and yet God stepped up and God did amazing things. I remember on May the, the 20th of 2007, I was standing right over here and, and just beyond this stage here, over behind this curtain that is over here. And I got to be honest with you, that morning I was shaking in fear, like trembling in fear. Because that was just a few days after my dad had passed away, and I knew that in a few moments I'd have to walk out here and preach a sermon. And I was scared to death. Like, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I'd be able to pull this off. And we gathered together just back there, and I've shared this with you before. Our pastors gathered together back there. Jay, I think you were there. And, and others, we, we were gathered behind the stage, and man, we were, we were praying for, to God to do some incredible things that day. And we started going around that room. There's probably, I don't know what, 15, 20 pastors back there. And you know, whenever you get 15 or 20 pastors in a room and you get them to start praying, every one of them has to one-up the last one, right? 
So it's like, you know, by the time we're getting towards the end, it's like, oh, heavenly father and God in heaven who above, who is, you know, and, and it was just like, you know, at this point, I'm like, dude, stop it, right? And so we went around and we prayed all the way through that group and me in, in trembling in fear, shaking, like scared to death, grieving in tears. It came to me to pray last and I didn't have the words. So I just said this, I said, God, I can't do this. But God, you can. So do it today. Here we are all these years later. Guess what? God has been doing it in my life. God has been using me, and God has been giving me the strength that I know I don't have. God has been giving me the abilities that I know I don't have. And I know it all comes from the fact, not because of what I can do. I mean, I look out in the room, and there's some, there's some great theologians in this room. There's some great speakers in this room. There's some great leaders in this room. And I'm sitting back like, man, I don't even deserve to be in the room. I look over here, Elmer Town's sitting back here. And this guy has forgotten more than I'll ever know. And I'm sitting up here preaching, and he's sitting out here listening to me like, that's not right, right? But here's what I know. It has nothing to do with me. It's all about God. But listen to me, I'm not a special case. Because wherever you are in your journey, whatever you're facing, whatever you're walking through, the fear that is shaking you, that is making you tremble, that is bringing tears to your heart and to your eyes, that that God who has done a great work in me, has done a great work in lots of other people in this room, that same God is the God who will do a great work in you if you will let Him. If you will allow Him to move. If you'll allow Him to speak. If you'll allow him to take grip, to take hold of you in your journey. You see this idea, this picture is this, is that Jesus is all that we need. You don't need all the things that this world says you've got to have to be successful. What you need is the power of Jesus in your life. That's what we're walking through during this season of fasting and prayers. We're like, God, we want you to show up like in a real way. God, we want you to do like big things in our lives and big things in our hearts, big things in our ministry. We want you to, we want you to do that. And so this picture that, that is given here by Peter is the fact that to all the people gathered there, that, that Jesus is the answer we need to the problem. Now, when I say we need to the problem, the answer we need to the problem, the idea is like whatever problem it is. Whatever it is you're walking through, Jesus is the answer. Sick, Jesus is the answer. Marriage is in trouble. Listen to me. Jesus is the answer. Praying for a loved one, praying for a family member, one who's away from God and and not walking with Christ and it's grieving your heart, Jesus is the answer. Because we can't do any, we can't change what we're walking through in this world, but Jesus can change anything. Why? Because the same Jesus who raised the dead is the same Jesus who is moving in your life today. And so we understand that he's all that we need. We keep reading in this passage after it says, I will not be shaken. He goes on to say, and therefore my heart is glad. In other words, the fact that he will remove the fear, now my heart will be glad. He brings joy. Anybody here want to walk through life with joy? Just raise your hand. I want to see it. Hey, better put your hands down. Anybody here not want to walk through life with joy? Raise your hand. Yeah, far fewer hands, right? Like there's none, right? Because everybody wants joy. Here's where joy comes from. My heart will not be shaken because Jesus will remove my fear. And as a result of that, he, uh, he will uh, bring gladness to my heart. Goes on to say, my tongue rejoices. In other words, joy always leads to worship. 
It always leads to lifting up the name that is above every name. The name that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord. Goes on to say, therefore, moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. Guess what resting in hope is? Peace. Anybody want peace? I think we all do. Anybody want to walk through life with peace? Of course we do. And then he goes on to say, and you will not allow or abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You've revealed the paths of life to me and you will fill me with gladness in your presence. That's a picture of eternal life of what's to come. Right here, in just a couple of short verses, Peter gave us one of the greatest sermons that has ever been given. Jesus is all you need. He's the one that will take away your fears. He's the one that will bring you joy. He is the one that will bring you peace. And He's the one that has promised you and guaranteed you eternal life. And it's all through Christ and Christ alone. Verse 29, and this is where we begin to pivot into our series as we're going to walk through the spring. In verse 29, what we see is that His work among us continues even to this day. In other words, Jesus is not done. Say it with me. Jesus is, okay, say it with me. Jesus is not done. Look what it says in verse 29. Brothers and sisters, Peter speaking, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Now listen to verse 31. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. 1,000 years before Jesus came, David wrote these words. He's speaking concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. And listen to these words. And God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Peter ends this sermon with a declaration, Jesus is alive. Now, we preach this sermon in 2024. Peter preached this sermon days after Jesus ascended. He preached this to a group of people who had the privilege of seeing the risen Lord. He preached this to a, a group of people, over 500 of them, who had the opportunity of seeing Jesus walking after he died. Which, by the way, that'll shake you. That's a big deal. They saw him. And they saw him walking. They heard him talking after his resurrection. And so God has raised this Jesus, and we are all witnesses of this. And so this idea, this picture, is that the miracle of Jesus is He came to fulfill an act, which is to guarantee us the fulfillment of God's ultimate plan, which is eternal life with Him. But then He did not leave us until that time. He sent the Holy Spirit of God to come and to be with us every step of the way. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it says this, we are witnesses of these things. Again, Peter speaking, talking about the power. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Understand this now. The Holy Spirit of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God indwelled you at the time of moment of salvation. And the Holy Spirit is with you today. And as you're walking through the seasons of life, as you're walking through the pain, as you're walking through the problems, as you're walking through the fears, as you're walking through the sickness, as you're walking through the, the troubles in marriage, as you're walking through the financial pains, as you're walking through all of these things, you are not walking alone because the Holy Spirit of God is with you every step of the way. And because He is with us every step of the way, that means that God is with you. And if God is with you, here's what I want you to know. 
God will deliver you. And so I know there are people in this room who are sitting back thinking like, well, when? (laughs) I've been waiting, I've been praying, like I want God to deliver me. Here's what you need to understand. God will never allow you to see the eternal impact until you have allowed him to have an internal impact. God will never reveal to you. God will never deliver you. God will never bring you through the situations that you are walking through until you have allowed him to move in the quiet, secret, private places of your life. And that's what prayer and fasting is all about. That's what this picture really is focused on, is allowing God to do inside of us an incredible, miraculous work that will change our lives and will change the world. That's what Jesus does. That's what he's still doing today. And I know this is true because I've heard a thousand stories of how God has moved Back in 2020, when we walked through this 21-day fast, man, I heard so many stories, so many things about how, how God revealed His power and His presence, how God did what only God can do. He did the impossible. Jesus said Himself that with man, it's impossible, but with God, it's, it's always possible. I heard last night, I was sitting at home, bored because I couldn't eat dinner. And I'm sitting there, and I'm actually, I was reading, actually, at the time, uh, the book of Ephesians. I, I'm reading through the, the, the New Testament during this 21 days. And as I was reading through the book of Ephesians, and I was reading through, uh, strangely enough, like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's like, like not us, right? It's all about him. And while I was doing that, Uh, By the way, I'm not fasting from electronics. And so I had my phone sitting next to me. And I got a text. And the text popped up. And it was one of those texts that a lot of times you'll kind of, uh, you know, ignore. Because there were about 14 emojis and about 48 exclamation points. And you know when you get those, like probably it's not that important. Uh, It's not like something you need to do. It's not something you need. Like it's something that somebody wants to celebrate, right? It's something that somebody wants to rejoice in, right? And so I got this text, and I looked at it, and I just read it, and it said these words. He said, for for 30 years, I've been praying for my son to come to Christ without result. 30 years I've been praying that God would would, would reach my son. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I just couldn't help but share this with you. Now I'm getting all the emojis and all the exclamation points, right? It's making sense. And she said, listen, I just want you to know, today my son called me and he told me, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. We're only one week into this fast and look what God's doing. I walked out this morning on the stage and by the way, Charles, forgive me, I walked out early. I thought when when Emma was done, I thought like that was time for me to walk out and preach and, and you had to keep talking. And so I'm standing there behind the organ, just kind of hanging out like, you know, dude, I'm not here. Just don't let know. And, and I happened to look up in the choir and I saw tears running down the face that when we were singing those words and tears were running down the face of that dear lady who sent me that text last night. 
Because her son today knows that eternal life is his. Not because of what she did, but because of what Christ can do. What a gift. What a hope. What a promise. Now listen to me. That is not a unique story. That is not a one-off. That is not an outlier. That is what God does. That is how God moves. That is how God works in our lives. That is the strength and the power that we find in Him. And I know that as I look out in this room with about 4,000 or 5,000 faces, here's what I know. There are a lot of you who need God to do that same kind of thing. It may not be a son who has been away from God for 30 years. It may not be that. It might be something radically different. It might be something in your life that you desperately need God to show up and to, to reveal His power and His presence and His provision in your life. And you know, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Only God can do this. And we're walking through this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. That is exactly the kind of thing we're seeking God for. That's what she was seeking God for. I don't know what she's going to do for the next 14 days. Like, what do you do after that? But man, there are people in this room who desperately need God to show up. And so what I want to do is just something a little bit weird. We've done this a few times in the past few years. I want to end this service um, in a different way because you'll notice that up on the stage today we have these cards and we have pens. And I want to end this service with, with, with just the opportunity for you to come down to this altar and grab a card and grab a pen and just write down that thing. Now, I don't want you to like get personal. Don't like put last names and don't, you know, don't tell your whole story there. I'm just saying just, just write down like if you're praying for a, a son who's away from Christ that you write down his first name. You know, Bill for salvation, whatever that might be. If you've got a physical need, just write down, man, I, I need God to show up and heal. Got a financial need. God, I, I need him to provide. You got a marriage that's in trouble. God, I need you to heal and restore. And I just want to say, because here's what I believe. I believe that God honors the desperate prayers of his people. I believe God honors a 30-year prayer of a mom. And I believe God answers and honors the prayer that you might have. When you come to him in a desperate, I've got nothing left kind of way. And so the cards are here. They're, they're, they're everywhere here. And Tom, come on out if you would and, and just, you know, make sure you help people get down here and Charles and Ron others. Now listen, we're going to end the service this way. I'm totally different. Like normally we do an invitation. This is an invitation. This is an invitation to seek the face of God. Now if you're here today, and you have never experienced the power of that God through salvation that we've talked about. Like all of these guys are going to be standing down here. And they would love to talk with you. You come down, just say, listen, man, I want to, I want to know about this Jesus we've been talking about. Sounds pretty cool, right? These guys would love to talk with you and pray with you about that. But on top of that, man, I just call out to all of you. We're giving you plenty of time. It's early. Man, usually in Sundays, I'm just getting warmed up. I'm just going to give you the opportunity to just come down and just whatever that is. And maybe you need, before you come down, you just take a time and you just, 
you just seek God. Like, God, what is it exactly that you want me to seek your face for? Like, reveal me. What's that one big thing or maybe two big things? And just come down. Now, what we're going to do with these cards, we, in the next 21 days, 14 days, we're going to be praying over these cards. And we're going to pray over them. We're going to pray with you that God would reveal. I see Geneva walking down the aisle over here. Geneva, just a couple of days ago on Thursday, she had the unfortunate situation of burying her brother who died suddenly and and going through a difficult time. And Geneva came to me praying for her brother, praying for healing. God did heal him, but not in the way that we planned. God healed him in heaven. And so, you know, Geneva, I know know what her prayer is going to be. But like, I don't know what yours is. I don't need to know. But God knows and God needs to know. And God needs to see you doing like what a mom will do who will just desperately cry out to God, God, I need you to show up. And so the invitation is here. Our team is here. The cards are here. They would love to talk with you and pray with you. The service is over. But I just encourage you now to come down and say, God, I need you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, We're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.